We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we talk about pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am the legendary Star-Lord, Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. I'm going to call you Star-Lord derisively like Nebula from now on. (laughs) Okay, Star-Lord, want to catch us up on what we're talking about today? We are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, which uh, has a soundtrack that slaps just like the soundtrack of the first two movies. And uh, I, have, I, would, I have thoughts uh, about the needle drops. I, I would say arguably uh, the best uh, of the trilogy, uh, MC's latest, uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, um, picks up in some ways where we left off in that uh, they, the Guardians begin by being attacked by Adam Warlock, who was... Um, uh, previewed at, in the mid credit scene of Volume 2. Again, Aisha, the High Priestess Aisha, who is a, one of the villains of Volume 2. But we find out that he is actually working for the High Evolutionary, um, the High Evolutionary, uh, who is brilliantly played by uh, Chakwudi Iwuji. Um, I would say one of the best villains in a long time, maybe the best villain since Thanos, um and, and this movie is dark one of one of the the darker of the the trilogy because it deals with um i, I don't mind violence uh, against aliens I, I don't mind you know laser zappers it's the animal cruelty that we see in this movie which, which hits really hard and i think you know spoiler alert hits children really hard too if they were to see this film in a way that typical space opera like violence wouldn't um, but it has a lot of flashbacks dealing with the creation of, of Rocket Raccoon uh, by the High Evolutionary, um, and he gets hurt by Adam Warlock. So the whole uh, movie is essentially them traveling to find the High Evolutionary to be able to find the necessary source code to save Rocket Raccoon. Um, and that is the movie. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, it, it plays out in many different ways. Again, spoiler alert, I fully expected lots of deaths in this movie. The first movie, Groot dies. Second movie, Yandu dies. And they play on that with the audience expecting, oh, is Star-Lord going to die? And he almost died. Uh, is Rocket going to die? And the, the bulk of the movie, is Rocket almost dying? Is Drax going to die? Mostly because Dave Bautista said he's done playing Drax. And he gets like shot with a shotgun in the chest several times, but he doesn't die. And in the end, it's almost like a happily ever after story, which I, I kind of dug and needed after the the phase four, which is so much about grief and tragedy of the MCU. Uh, and uh, it ends with um, Mantis going off on her own. It ends with Star-Lord returning to Earth. It ends with a new formation of the, the Guardians, uh, a next iteration of the Guardians. 
Uh, and we don't know if we're going to see them again. We know that well, Guardians Volume 1 and Guardians Volume 2 ended with the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. This simply said the legendary Star-Lord will return. Um, so if the Guardians do come back, it will certainly be in a very different iteration than uh, James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy, which we've seen uh, for these three movies. We've seen for the holiday special. We've seen in their appearances in Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a much needed win for the MCU after um, real, um, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I enjoyed, but but Mike, you did not, and, and critics apparently did not either. Um, real misses with uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, with Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, this was certainly a, a win for the MCU. Mike, what did you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it was a, a very uh, needed win for the MCU. I think that if, uh, if if James Gunn and company didn't get this right, um, I, I don't know what the future of the MCU uh, was going to look like. Um, uh, and, and in part uh, because uh, the uh, the supposed big bad of this next iteration of the MCU that was introduced uh, in, first in Loki uh, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, uh, uh, Kang the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Majors, um, is imperiled uh, with uh, Jonathan Major's uh, uh, recent legal trouble um, right. and personal trouble. So uh, really, that's a whole other conversation. I think the very precipitous rise and dramatic fall of Jonathan Major's uh, uh, very quickly. Um, so uh, I, I don't know how the MCU is going to course correct for that, if they're going to course correct for that. Uh, but, uh, but you know, we, we've alluded to this a few times, my sense uh, in, you know, over maybe the past year or so, um, that increasingly the MCU, watching the MCU uh, feels like homework uh, and less like uh, uh, fun entertainment with, uh, with, with interesting characters and, uh, and, and often very rich themes that we were getting in, you know, in the Iron Man movies, in the Captain America movies, especially, uh, but also in, uh, in, in Thor and in the Avengers movies and, and things like that. Um, and, uh, and, and lately, um, there has, you know, the MCU has just been throwing a lot out their answer uh, to, you know, you like the MCU, well, get ready because you're going to have a lot more. And it's meant following uh, plot lines and characters across, you know, not only uh, many, many movies uh, um, and a whole interconnected film universe, uh, but also increasingly television shows. And, and that the I, I felt that this uh, uh, sequel to Guardians uh, fell prey to that a little bit. Um, I, I found myself struggling uh, to remember uh, what exactly happened to Gamora uh, between uh, the last Guardians movie and this Guardians movie, uh, between Endgame and this She was Guardians killed movie. by Thanos. Right. I remember that, and I don't remember how she came back uh, exactly. Uh, and there was the, there was a moment in the movie where they kind of joked with that it's a little bit. It's a different bit. Gamora. Right. So anyway, I, and... How is it a different Gamora? Why is it a different Gamora? I couldn't tell you. Uh, but uh, 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 Cosmo the Space Dog, uh, I, I think, was introduced in the second Guardians movie, uh, but played a role in the Guardians Christmas special. Uh, the the fact that they built Hol their holiday special. This Excuse is this me. is this is a a, a pop tour podcast. It was a that's holiday true, that's special. True. Uh, and you know the 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 fact that uh, um, uh, uh, Sean Gunn's character with the mohawk. What's his name? Uh, Craglin. Craglin uh, inherits the whistle arrow thing from Yondu. I had to remember that Yondu died in the in the second Guardians movie. 
that Sylvester what, Stallone and the Ravagers are there. There's, anyway, there's just a lot. It's going also on. a lot has happened since volume two came out. Right, That's that's right. And, you know, I didn't love volume two when it came out. I think uh, I, I was a skeptic of volume one. Uh, I was, you know, something of an MCU fan, not as much of a, a, a deep Marvel fan as, as you were. I just kind of was following the movies and I was like, you know, I don't know. Can I follow the MCU out into space? This movie looks so weird. I think it was one that I didn't see in theaters when it came out. There were a few in the sort of early phases of the MCU that I was like, you know, I'm just going to skip this one. This is not an event for me. Um, and then I ended up watching it uh, maybe when it was out streaming on Disney+. Plus. I had the same thing, by the way, with Thor, uh, with Thor Ragnarok. I skipped that one in the theaters and then saw it. It was actually it first uh, streamed on Netflix um, and, and was, you know, really blown away, really loved it and loved the first Guardians movie. I, was it perfect? No, it was weird. It leaned into the weirdness. James Gunn is good about leaning into the weirdness of these things right. um, as Taika Waititi is. Um, and I and I also I was worried that the same thing was going to happen in this Guardians that happened in Thor Love and Thunder, which is it was know, too Waititi leaned too into the Taika Waititi-ness of it. And uh, and it was just like too much Taika Waititi-ness uh, in Thor Love and Thunder. And and this I, I found very uh, satisfying. There were, you know, there were moments where I like I just really enjoyed myself watching a Marvel movie in a way that I have not uh, in 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 uh, in a long time. Um, so uh, so I thought it was fun. Did everything work? No, but I thought uh, as a as a film, it was it was fun. Um, I I'm not sure if I agree necessarily that it was better than the first Guardians movie. Uh, you had said to me offline uh, that uh, that you had read somewhere that it was you know not only uh, the uh, the the best trilogy capper of the uh, MCU, but maybe the best trilogy capper of all time or something like that. I, I'm not so sure if I would go that far. I no, I I said that that I read someone who suggested that it was one of the best trilogies. Period. All three movies together of all yeah. time. Um, I you know I sort of uh, I, I sort of first I, I wonder if you can really consider uh, any of the trilogies in the MCU actual trilogies in the same way that we might have considered say the Godfather trilogy or the the original Star Wars trilogy or anything like that. It's 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 it, it sort of stretches the definition of those things because there's so much that is happening that you have to keep up with between between the movies. It's not just those three movies. Um, uh, but was it a satisfying, you know, kind of capper to James Gunn's arc with the Guardians? Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the reason it works um, is because uh, of the dynamic that was set up in the original Guardians movie. There's, there's just, uh, you know, a lot of laugh out loud moments. The, the chemistry uh, among this cast is, is just really great. Um, you know, I had uh, found myself tiring of Chris Pratt um, and, um, you know, and, and felt like he actually had been just like phoning it in uh, for the last, I don't know, several outings of the MCU and virtually everything else that he's put out uh, in the past several years. Uh, and, um, uh, and 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 felt that he really brought it. Maybe he just like loves this character and loves working with James Gunn. James Gunn is uh, is the Chris Pratt whisperer. I don't know. Uh, but I but I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I really did and uh, found myself reinvigorated uh, uh, looking forward to the next phase of the MCU. I would say that there are a couple things that really stood out to me. Um, one, uh, some uh, really great uh, action sequences and fight sequences. Uh, that that scene where uh, there the needle drop is no sleep till Brooklyn, and they're, they're playing the Beastie Boys as the, the, one of the final fight scenes. Uh, thought that was a great fight scene. Uh, just really great, great action. Um, and also the very end 
when Groot says, I love you guys. Uh, I, I thought a lot about it and I was like, did Groot learn how to speak English? Uh, but James Gunn says, no, it's just like right throughout the movie, Gamora is like, I know you're Groot. What are you saying? You know, and then by the end of the movie, Gamora understands what I am Groot means. And, and James Gunn explained that after three movies, we, the viewer, are brought into the Guardians so that we, too, understand Groot's language. So when he says, I love you guys, he's actually saying, I am Groot, but we, the viewer, are a part of the experience and truly understand uh, this language. Yeah, so, right. So so the uh, uh, the um, the best part of saving the universe multiple times are the friends we made along the way. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Um, I uh, let me talk about the needle drops for a second. Um, I, 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 I'm a child of uh, 90s alternative uh, as much as the next guy. Um, it, you know, the, the soundtrack, I loved the soundtrack. Uh, I thought that um, it didn't work for me in this movie in the way that the soundtracks of the other two movies worked because those two soundtracks were part of Peter Quill's story, um, especially in the first movie, um, that it was, you know, the mixtape made for him by his uh, by his mother, right? And it was his connection uh, to his uh, to his human family uh, that he had lost. And it was about Peter, Peter Quill's journey. Um, I, 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 by the way, would have felt like it would have been satisfying had Peter Quill died in this movie. Uh, and I was really disappointed. I thought it was a uh, uh, a real dodge at the end uh, to not have him die. Sure. Um, and there, there were a few moments like that. I, I think that, um, you know, James Gunn pulled his punches uh, probably because Marvel told him to yeah. uh, with it uh, and not because it served the story. Uh, and, it, you know, there were these, uh, as, and it was a plot device throughout the movie, these, you know, meta packs uh, that, that you know, have miraculous life-saving powers. I'm not sure exactly how they work. I don't remember them in previous uh, MCU uh, uh, properties. Um, uh, but, you know, these this sort of like, it's 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 the problem that a lot of people I think rightfully point out with uh, with Star Wars, especially in um, in in its Disney years, um, is that you know beloved characters never actually die, and it's more than just a thematic you know Luke Skywalker saying uh, no one's ever really gone, which he means by saying like you have uh, the 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 important parts of uh, people and the lessons that they taught you, you carry them with you. Um, that's that's meaningful right but when when there's no real stakes in this that's one of the things that was i think really powerful about um infinity war and endgame and and the early parts of phase four of the mcu where you were dealing with those with with real loss and real consequences um and it feels like that you know a lot of now what i guess we're in phase five of the mcu um has been sort of retconning uh, a lot of those consequences. Now, I I, I keep finding myself, you know, in in Ant Man Lost Quantum Mania, um, asking myself, you know, okay, like where was King during Thanos, right? And uh, and, and did, did Thanos' snap not apply to the quantum realm? And did Thanos' snap not reply to the high? What's it called? The high uh, evolutionary evolutionary. Thanks. That was another thing. Is like uh, I I. I I couldn't quite tell who the villain was for about a third of this movie um, uh, 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 and not in a good way. Like it wasn't a mystery. It was just kind of muddled. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel like we're we're losing a sense of, of real consequences uh, in the MCU and it diminishes the, the drama and the impact 
of, of, of these films for me. I get, you know, these are uh, now very, um, uh, very lucrative IP uh, for, for Disney. Uh, you don't want to, uh, uh, you know, give up on, on uh, characters that the audience has come to love and enjoy. Um, but unless there are like real stakes, um, it's hard to really be invested in films. Um, responding to, to what you mentioned about the music, the needle drops, you're right that this was definitely, I think, Rocket's choice of music in that this was Rocket's story uh, more so than Star-Lord's story. Um, I found three main themes in this movie. One is the theme of chosen family, uh, right? That's the, the theme of uh, of community that the Guardians really were Rocket's family. Yeah, I just and- want to pause you there because I... I uh- there, there was a preview playing for Fast 10 uh, 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 trailer before this movie. And uh, and Vin Diesel, of course, is in both uh, franchises. And uh, and so as that theme was playing out in the movie, I'm like, man, this is the Fast and the Furiousification of pop culture, right? It's all about family. Yeah, maybe that's how they got convinced Vin Diesel to play a tree who only says, I am Groot for, you know, half a dozen movies because it's about family. Um, but but the idea of chosen family with the flashbacks um, to Rocket uh, with the other uh, animal species and, and creatures that he became friends with, uh, Lila, um, Tiefs. And uh, Floor, I believe, what, what is Floor. the other one? Floor, the, uh, the, the, the rabbit, yeah. The, the, the rabbit with uh, mechanical spider legs. Um, that They were his chosen family, which is why I think the importance uh, of um, of the Guardians being his family really hit hard for him. You know, throughout the, the first movies, he always rejected the fact that he was a raccoon. He's like, I'm not a raccoon. Don't call me a raccoon. And at the end of this movie, he calls himself a raccoon. There is something special to him coming to terms with who he is uh, and not denying his true self. Um, and I would say the idea of what is perfection, right? High evolutionary is ends up being the villain. Um, and his goal is, is to build the perfect society, right? And you see this counter earth that he builds with these human-like animal characters and creatures um and, and in one scene right you you see like an octopus selling meth in a back you know alley to other animals um and, and he's like well i have to almost like early god right in in Brashid and genesis and the flood he's like i i failed at this creation story i need to destroy this earth and, and this planet and start all over uh, to build a more perfect society. Um, and it comes to teach us that there's no such thing as per- perfection, uh, w- you know, and perfection shouldn't be defined based on one's quote unquote imperfections, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's not one definition of what is perfect, of what is sacred, um, that we are all unique and perfection is really um, understanding and appreciating our our differences, right? I see that juxtaposed with Nebula, who became more like a RoboCop in, in this film, uh, with with her. I, I thought Inspector Gadget, Inspector Gadget, with her limbs really uh, becoming guns and knife. tentacles right. and, and a knife. Um, but that's because, as a form of punishment throughout her life, Thanos replaced parts of her body uh, uh, with, with robot parts. Um, Right. There's that joke about how dark her her and black her eyes are. Uh, And she's like, well, my my father, you know, 
did, did it as a form of punishment and star lord is like well i never noticed how 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 dark how how black how, how goth that they are um so that that idea of what does it mean to to be perfect uh and that perfection does not in, in fact exist what are your yeah, thoughts so, on those yeah all right and you mentioned that there was a third theme that you found you want to take them all uh, um yeah oh yes the, the last was bringing back gamora um which i really appreciate i know that you were like wait how did gamora die who is the second gamora uh it would have been so easy even though this movie in a way ended um with a happy ending it would have been so easy for star lord and gamora to get back together uh and i think it was important uh life lesson about relationships that you can't just go back to how things were, that things ha do have consequences. Uh, and this is actually a different Gamora. Her life is different than it was. And uh, she has different memories and different relationships. Mm. And the idea that uh, they can just go back to normal as things were, um, right? Almost like uh, that, that movie, 50 First Dates, where Adam Sandler uh, yeah. re reintroduces himself to Drew Barrymore every day because her right. memory, uh, she she forgets when she wakes up each morning. And like they're married and they live on a boat at the end of the, that movie. And she has to watch a video when she wakes up in the morning to remember that she's married to this yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, so there's there's one more theme that uh, maybe this is, you know, to uh, to be right, uh, because it's part of the theme of uh, the high evolutionary's quest for perfection um, is, you know, uh, animal cruelty, as you said, at the at the top of the of the episode um, is a is a major feature of this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, some some pretty graphic uh, scenes of, of animal cruelty. And it's a thread that that plays throughout is the the way in which uh, the high evolutionary um, uses uh, animals and then ultimately later uh, uh, people, I guess, or, or higher life forms, I think that they call them uh, toward the end of the movie um, in uh, as experiments in, you know, in, in a quest to build the perfect society. And, and it struck me that that is also a theme worth exploring that, you know, is not something that the, that the MCU has really gotten into. And I, and I really kind of appreciate it. I was actually worried because I had heard that the, um, that the depictions of animal cruelty were, were, were gratuitous and, and grotesque. I mean, they were certainly grotesque, but I'm not sure that they were gratuitous. I actually think that they were handled with much more subtlety than yeah. James Gunn usually handles things. Um, and, uh, and I think that it actually uh, made a really uh, uh, compelling argument uh, or, or, or held up a mirror to the ways in which uh, we as human beings, um, you know, uh, treat the natural world and treat the animal world uh, in particular as, you know, means to our own ends and see our, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, uh, the building of a better society uh, for ourselves or more convenience, more comfort for ourselves, uh, you know, is always uh, born on the backs of, uh, of, of, you know, what we might consider lower life forms. So uh, playing that out, um, uh, you know, uh, was, was really compelling. However, I will say about that, and I, I mentioned this when we talked about Black Panther Wakanda forever, uh, and it was also something that I felt about the original Black Panther, um, is that, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, the third act, uh, uh, action set pieces where the Guardians, um, you know, are fighting against the, you know, the, essentially the minions of the high evolutionary. Um, you know, I, I felt kind of similar to how I felt in, in the Black Panther movies that, you know, that the Guardians are really um, uh, killing uh, the victims of the high evolution. They may be working for the high evolutionary, but really they're the victims of the high evolutionary too, right? In the same way that, 
you because know, they that, they that, too are are experiments and creations, right? In the same way that the you know that the Wakandans are fighting against each other in the first Black Panther movie, right? They're all the victims of colonialism. Uh, that uh, that in the same you know same thing in Wakanda Forever, the Wakandans are fighting against the uh, um, the Atlanteans, um, uh, right? They're they're um they're they're not called the the Atlanteans in uh, Wakanda Forever though, only in the in the comics. Um, they're Kul Kul Khan. There you go. Kul Kul Khan is, is the um, name. Uh, and so, of you know, there it's 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 you know, two groups of people that are both you know the victims of white supremacy and colonialism that are pitted against each other. Um, so it's you know it's it's uh, like Benny Morris says about the Israeli Palestinian conflict that these are you know it's a conflict between righteous victims. Um, and I and I think that that's really compelling. So let's take about each of those themes in in turn. If if you if you want, um. The, the first about found you know found family I, you know, maybe it's the time of year that we're in uh, uh leading up to Shavuot uh but found family is very much on my mind you know there's the, I think the reason we read the book of Ruth on uh Shavuot uh, traditionally um is because the the covenant between God and Israel at Sinai um is is really about the uh, about the forging of uh relationship um among uh, among found family or found community um that that this is you know in in uh, they're, they're obviously families they have family ties to one another uh but they're not really a nation yet they're not really in relationship with one another yet and the experience of si- at Sinai brings them into covenantal relationship with with one another so to be part of the Jewish people um is is really to be a part of found family especially in the modern context where we're all in some meaningful way Jews by choice um and then especially people who choose Judaism who uh were were, were born uh, and raised with other backgrounds um are Jews by choice and so we we really live in a Jewish world in a Jewish community um that is about uh found family and, and what what does uh Ruth say to to Naomi wherever you go I will go wherever you lodge I will lodge your people will be my people your God will be my God uh that is the the Guardians movies in, in a nutshell right, right. that they this is a band of misfits a band of people who never felt like they fit in right a a, a tree creature um who nobody understood this raccoon that was experimented on um uh two uh people one from earth one from another planet who were both children of uh, a celestial being of, of a of a planet um all of them yeah. uh, uh drax this destroyer who really just wanted to be a, we, we thought of him as this like th- this menacing creature he just wanted to be a dad we saw that at the end of this movie, actually, right? He became the destroyer when his family was murdered, but he just wanted to to be there to to interact with children. Uh, and there were this band of misfits that that came together and were determined to be there for each other. Right? Right. So much of this movie, and like this was Rocket's movie. You, you had a previous movie that was exploring Star Lord's relationship with with, with his parentage uh, and realizing found family that Yandu was more of his father than his father ever could be. Uh, you've seen the, the first movie where uh, it, it's about the power stone initially, but it's about coming together and they end up being able to harness the power of the power stone by each of them holding on to each other uh, and sharing that power of that stone. Um, wherever your people will go, my people will go. I will follow. 
Right. Yeah. I, know, I, I love that. And, and you just made a really compelling argument to me, I think, for how the Guardians um, are the most Jewish characters in the MCU and how the theme of the movie, you know, the the, the Jewish people are, you know, a band of, of, of rejects and misfits and uh, and, and outcasts. Um, who uh, who are charged to be the guardians of the galaxy, yeah. maybe not the galaxy, but to be the to be you know to to, uh, we, to we are told we are told to be an oral goyim, right, a right. light unto the world, right. to protect the vulnerable and uh, and and to and to uh, repair the world, right, and and that's that's our calling, that's our mission, and so uh, you know the rabbinic tradition uh, uh, elevates this. This is how they read the Torah that. Um, that you know our our own family we obviously are commanded to uh, uh to honor and and revere our parents uh but rabbinic tradition points out that the commandment to uh be loyal to to the divine and to the mission that we have as jewish people to be uh to to uh to be uh devoted to the Jewish tradition uh, takes precedence over uh, honoring our parents. And so um, so uh, rabbinic tradition uh, says that we should regard the person who teaches us Torah um, as though they are our parents. Right. And um, and, uh, you know, so uh, it's not necessarily saying that, you know, uh, as the book of Genesis says, right, that a person will leave their father and mother and cleave to their spouse, that that's part of the human journey. Uh, but but I think in a lot of ways, Jewish tradition is saying um, that your primary loyalty um, is to the, the the mission that we have as as Jewish people. You are in community with people who are devote who are similarly devoted to that mission. Um, you have a loyalty to your family, but that loyalty is subservient to the to the community of uh, uh, of the Jewish people writ large uh, that is bound together with this purpose. I would say absolutely right. They have a, a a shared purpose, and they've learned that purpose right in the end. Um, Rocket intentionally does not kill the high evolutionary, somebody who called him who who caused him uh, a lifetime of harm uh, because he said that is not my purpose. I'm a, a we are the guardians of the galaxy. We are not here to seek revenge. Uh, we are here to make the world better, and it's not that they are the these these sadikim, right? They're not these righteous individuals. They themselves are flawed individuals. They themselves are rejected by society, as you said. I think linking that up to uh, the expulsion of Jews throughout different parts of the world for the past two thousand plus years uh, is, is pretty spot on, a- and yet. Uh, we still believe we we have a, a purpose and we have uh, a certain intention in our interaction and relationship with this world. Yeah. And and yet, you know, let's talk about that second uh, theme that you were talking about, which which I think is also connected to the animal cruelty theme, uh, the the pursuit of, of ideal and, and pursuit of perfection as a, you know, as as it's it's both something that you know this is challenging because it feels on on a level that's what we're called to aspire to as Jews we're supposed to repair the world perfect the world people uh, sometimes translate that as and yet the movies like this show the shadow side of that which is uh that you know one person's uh, vision of of perfection um uh, can be monstrous uh in in its application um, so, uh, what are we supposed to do with, with that, Jesse, as, uh, as, as people who are called to, uh, to pursue an ideal? Right. I mean, in, in a way, um, it, it was Hitler-esque what, what he was trying to do, right? Uh, when, when the third Reich was trying to create the, the great race, um, this Aryan race, 
they were trying to create a society where everybody had had blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, everybody looked similar. Um, it wasn't just about belief. Uh, it, it was about seeing the Jewish people. It was about seeing gypsies. It, it was about seeing uh, gay men as, as the the rats in, in society and, and trying to better. Uh, and you, you had them really experimenting on these lowly, um, you know, what, what they deemed as lowly and insufficient uh, different uh, religions or, or, or races. Um the 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 high evolutionary right he was experimenting we joke and we call raccoons trash pandas right raccoons it was super cute baby rocket in this movie was super cute yeah the baby, uh, the, 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 i've the, never the, seen a baby raccoon but yeah, that was the, the, the cgi was awesome the eyes um but uh it, it was also really um sad because it's saying right th- this is a species that nobody cares about and right. so we're going to um experiment on that but we're also told you know within our, our text we read a couple of weeks ago uh that the famous words kiddushim tihiyu kikadoshani adonai right that you should strive to be holy for i the lord your god am holy and, and rabbinic tradition really wrestles with that because we're we're told that we are on a uh, a lower level than God, right? We should never strive to be like God. We can never strive to be like God. We 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 cover our face like Moshe did when we see God, even though Moshe eventually sees God, panim el panim, face to face, um, that we, we can never be God. And yet we are told to strive to be kadosh like God because God is kadosh. This idea of perfect and striving for perfection, it's a very narrow uh, minded definition of perfection, a very subjective idea of perfection. But we also understand that we are imperfect, right? We begin our day of atonement telling God in Kol Nidre prayer that we are going to mess up again. Not that we messed up, but just so you know, you're going to give us a clean slate, we hope. And we're going to screw up just as much in the year to come as we did in this previous year because we are imperfect creatures and imperfect beings. Well, I, I love what the Jewish tradition does with that idea of, you know, you shall be holy for I, the infinite, your God, I'm holy. You should strive to be like God, right? Uh, the Talmud uh, says, you know, in what ways can we strive to be like God, right? Just as, and it says, you know, just as God uh, feeds the hungry, you feed the hungry. Just as God clothes the naked, you clothe the naked. Just as God visits the sick, you visit the sick. Just as God buries the dead, you bury the dead, right? In other words, uh, what, what Jewish tradition says, the way we uh, become most like God, the way we build a perfect world or strive to build a perfect world um, is a world that reflects the, the notion that every human being is inherently created in God's image and all of our diversity and all of our distance difference um, in, in uh, you know, in, in including and especially the, the marginalized and, and vulnerable. And so our job is not to, you know, uh, wipe. I think that you can, the, the difference between the kind of perfection, it's not so much that the high evolutionary is striving for a perfect world. It's the, it's the manner in which he's striving for a perfect world right. um, is to wipe out the weak and to uh, and to and to build, you know, the 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 strongest, uh, most perfect possible race. And Jewish, the Jewish view of perfecting the world is um, is is uh, not uh, relate is not about uh, uh, diminishing people at all, right? It's about elevating people. It's about uh, it's about lifting up those who are fallen, about caring for those who are vulnerable, about building a world that reflects the fact that every single human being um, is created infinitely and equally in the divine image. And so our society should reflect that, that inherent dignity and equality that we all possess, which, which also includes, by the way, 
um, the the animal kingdom, right? Uh, 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 the animal kingdom in uh, in Genesis is also created in the divine image. Right. Um, we were Adam and Eve were vegetarians. There, there right. it was only after the flood that we began to eat uh, living species. Uh, but they were told that they, well, they uh, would rule over the Garden of Eden. Uh, they were could eat you know the plants and, and vegetation, but could not eat animals. Uh, we were supposed to take care of them protect them, not abuse them. Uh, rabbis answer Kiddushim uh, Tihiyu, that you should be holy, with the command that we find later, that the, what Rabbi Kiva calls the, the greatest mitzvah in the entire Torah, uh, our golden rule, V'yahavta l'recha kamocha, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not so much that you should strive to be holy, but as you said, Mike, you should strive to see every single person you interact with as holy, Absolutely. especially those who, without your help, may not be able to see themselves as holy, uh, right? right. So, yeah, so, right. So the, again, right, I think that the movie keeps coming back to uh, reminding us, right, the Jewish tradition's uh, vision of, you know, of, of, a, of, of a perfect world is in which, you know, we are guardians of each other. Um, so let's let's take that last one too, that last theme that you pulled out, which I which I love as well, because um, I think that that's a very Jewish theme too. The idea that, that really, um, uh, uh, our memories are what make us, um, right? So Gamora doesn't have any of her memories, you know, pre-blip, right? And so she's really a different person, at least in relation to Peter Quill. Um, she's a different person than she was before. And I think, you know, uh, Jewish tradition focuses, you know, very heavily on memory. The command to remember is 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 uh, omnipresent within uh, Jewish tradition, particularly when it comes to remembering the Exodus from Egypt. Um, uh, so, uh, part of what it means to have a Jewish identity, um, is to remember as a Jew, right? And that also drives, you know, who we are, how we see ourselves, what we do in the world, um, is based on, on that memory. And you could see that play out with Gamora too, right? She is not only a different person with respect to Peter Quill, but she's kind of a different person in general, um, without those memories, right? She is a, a, a ravager. She sees herself as a ravager and ravagers are brutal, a brutal race? Are they a race? Uh, <laughs> the they're, no, they're, they're, I think, uh, another clan, uh, another clan, you know, yeah. societal group of, of another chosen family, uh, if you will, right? They are they are bounty hunters to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, I agree with you. Um, so much of Judaism and Jewish identity is about shared memory, uh, right? We are taught that um, things that we ourselves never experienced, we are supposed to remember. Right, we are supposed to zecher litziat mitzrayim. Remember right. the exodus from Egypt uh, as if we were there, because we are taught and, and believe that we too were there. We are told, Mike, you reference Shavuot, which is which is um, um, the next holiday coming on on the horizon in, in the days to come. We are are taught that um, all of us, from our ancestors to our future descendants stood at the foot of Sinai and experienced revelation, even though we ourselves weren't there. Memory plays an important role and even difficult memory, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When we talk about Amalek, what the Amalekites did to the Israelites, we are simultaneously told uh, Zachor, that we should remember, um, but we are also told uh, that, that we should uh, erase the, the, the memory uh, because we shouldn't let our memories or the scars of our memories define us. And so what we found at the beginning of this movie, um, Star-Lord was uh, incapable of being a leader, 
right? He was so haunted by by the loss of of his beloved, uh, by those memories and wanting that life uh, to be the same. I mean, we see that uh, as rabbis, I, I don't want to speak for you, but when when I counsel families who are dealing with a loss, be it a tragic loss of a loved one or somebody who is, you know, lived a full life, um, the transition to a world and a reality without that person physically being here in this world is a difficult reality, but it's our memories that we have of that person that we keep with us that allow that person's soul to be bound up in our lives and allow us to adapt to this new world and this new reality without them there. Uh, Memory shapes us as Jews. Uh, It could also scar us as Jews, right? There are too many people who their identity as a Jew is defined by the Holocaust, is defined by fear of anti-Semitism. but our, our memory can also be defined by, uh, uh, right, uh, um, Matan Torah, could be defined by Revelation, could be defined by uh, Yitziat Mitzrayim, this greatest miracle of, of leaving Egypt. Also memories that are memories of peoplehood that we were not there for and yet shape our identities. Right. That's that's right. I mean, the, you know, there's there's really great science on this uh, now, in fact, that uh, that that memory is not a passive uh, process. It's an active process. We we uh, we we choose to remember. We choose how we remember. We choose what we remember in, in a lot of ways, um, which is, I think, gives um, gives gives depth to the traditional Jewish expression. Uh, you know, Right? May, may their memory be a blessing or may their memory be for a blessing. Right? In other words, like we can remember in all sorts of ways. We can also forget, of course, but we can remember in all sorts of ways and we can remember for all sorts of purposes. And so Jewish tradition says it's not enough to say, OK, we're going to never forget this and we're going to remember this. But we got to remember it in in, in such a way um, that it uh, becomes a, a source of blessing in our lives and in the lives of, of those who we who we touch. Right. So it's 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 important, of course, to remember the Holocaust and to have that be an important part of of Jewish identity. But, you know, how do we remember that? Why do we remember that? What's the purpose of our remembering that? Um, Is it is it just, you know, and as as it is for a lot of people, uh, a a memory in service of, you know, Jewish continuity uh, for uh, um, no matter the cost? Is it uh, just in terms of, you know, uh, Jewish self-defense? Um, uh, at all costs, I think that there's a way in which that memory can transform into a curse uh, and not a blessing. So uh, I, I I love that that we you know we we choose what we remember, we choose how we remember, we choose why we remember, and we have the capacity to not only to remember but to turn memories into blessings. And, and you know, Mantis is spot on in the end of this film when she highlights Drax as being the only one who doesn't hate himself. Right. And this group who who doesn't let his grief, who doesn't let his past experiences shape him negatively. Um, I, I think that's also a powerful reminder for all of us uh, that we cannot change the reality. We can only change uh, how we experience uh, the cards that we are dealt in life. Uh, and we have the opportunity to still see the, the the blessings all around us. We have the opportunity, I'm going to, you know, drive this metaphor into the ground to be the guardians of our own galaxy. Um, or or we have the opportunity to 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 just sit in, in, in sulk uh, and be um, just uh, upset and angry, right? Volume two, uh, Rocket was a very angry uh, individual and Star Lord says, "What is your deal, man? 
Uh, and I, I, it was the the reality that that Star Lord was interacting with his own father for the first time, and Rocket was having trouble uh, grappling with his his own uh, history and coming to terms with with who he was and how he came to be. Um, we cannot change our past. We can only change how how that shapes who we are now and who we will become in the future. Right. Well, that's maybe a good place to uh, lead the conversation. I'll just say amen to that. Uh, and uh, and we want to know what you thought of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Are you excited where the uh, MCU is headed now? Uh, and uh, and and what, what to you is the Torah of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, let us know. Uh, please uh, be in touch. And also, of course, uh, subscribe to the podcast, smash that subscribe button, uh, rate and review us so that more people can find uh, this conversation and that we can all join in our mission to be Guardians of the Galaxy together. Uh, for now, I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And we're going to- The legendary Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. The legendary. Take care, everyone.